0: Dear eternal God, our Father, we come to you this morning, God. Lord, we thank you and we praise you, God, for all that you do, Father. God, we know that there is a word from the Lord. God, I pray that I might decrease, that, Lord, you might increase, Father. We're asking you right now, God, to speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Let us be doers of this word, Father, and not just merely hearers of the word, Father. Father, we thank you for your word, Father. We we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the resurrection. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Put your hands together and give him a hand clap of praise. He's worthy. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We endeavor not to be before you long this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Romans, the 12th chapter. This is a text I've been dealing with all week. And understand that every now and again, we have to be reminded of some of the simplest principles of God's Word. So, if you have your Bibles, the 12th chapter of Romans, we'll begin our reading at verse number nine. And it reads like this Let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, and cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Thus, read the wordy reading of the word of God. From this text, I would like to lift for a subject this morning: living in love. Living in love. This text here is primarily written for the believer, those who are already in Christ Jesus. And I find it sometimes a shaming that after experiencing the love of God, after understanding what God sacrificed based upon his love for us, that we even as Christians have difficult time loving other folks. It's difficult to see Christians fighting and devouring one another, as Paul said in his epistle. This is the type of stuff that happens even in the church of God. And there are times that we have to be reminded of the price that was paid for us. We have to be reminded about how much God loved us and what he sacrificed for us to compel us, to remind us of how we ought to be loving one another. Because how soon we forget the commandments of Jesus, the love commandments. To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy mind, thy soul, and thy strength. And the second one is to love thy neighbor as thyself. And as I've often said, that there are some of us that have a hard time loving God. Let alone loving folk. Because I'm convinced that if you can't love God, you'll never be able to love folk. Especially people who are hard to love. And, and understand that there's some folk in the church that's hard to love. I mean, we might as well put it on the floor. There's some difficult, there's some difficult people to love in the church. But we've still been commanded to love them anyway. In, in, in this particular passage right here, Paul is really dealing with us loving church folk. He'll deal later on in the chapter with dealing uh, loving people outside of the church. But this morning I want to deal with us loving each other. I want you to understand that it is critically important for the success of any ministry or any church is to have a genuine and pure love one for another. You see, because no one in the church is perfect other than Jesus Christ. All of us are going to make some mistakes. All of us are going to do some things that are not going to be pleasing in everyone's sight, but we still need to have that love and that forgiveness that comes along with it. Ain't nothing worse than grudge-keeping Christians that cannot release, cannot forgive, it's the love that God has for me. It's the love that he's placed down inside of me that won't allow me to hold any grudges. Because I realize where I came from. I, I, I realize all of the stuff that God forgave me of. I, I, I keep it in the front part of my mind where God has brought me from how how, how some of the mean-spirited things that I had and thoughts in my mind that I had that I never acted on by the grace of God. It was God's grace. So every now and again, we need to be reminded that we are a family in Christ Jesus. This is a family that we have. That's why we use the, 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 uh, the words brother and sisters. Because it's a family. And more often we seem like we're enemies inside the church. It's never been designed to be like that. God never birthed his church for us to tear one apart. When we look at the church, we look at this local church, but when we look at the church at large, There's thousands of different denominations that separate us as the church. When we look at Christendom, all of us who have professed the Lord Jesus Christ, professed our faith in the love of Jesus Christ, become separated. We're tearing one another down. We're arguing over petty stuff. And God has said, no, this is is not where... This is not why I birthed the church. When you look at the early church, the Bible said they had all things in one accord. They walked in agreement, even when they had differences, yet they still, for the sake of unity, they walked in love. So we have to be reminded of this. Paul takes this opportunity, and we know and we understand that he's talking to us as Christians because he tells us that how, how in in verse number two, that we're to be not conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. In other words, before you can really get to verse number nine, got to get verse number one and two together first. You've you, you got to make sure that you've been transformed. you got to make sure you've been saved by the power of God. Because if you have a problem with loving people, then maybe you haven't been saved yet. I, I know you don't want to hear that. But I've been telling you, all of us need to do a self-examination. Stop pointing fingers and judging other folks. Start looking in the mirror and see, am I lining up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's what it how, how is my loving? How, how, how am I loving folk? What, what, what does this love really look like? What does it look like? Is it that shallow, emotional love? to which you just have a warm, fuzzy feeling? And that's about it. That's not a lasting love. That's not the love that Paul is writing about here in this book of Romans. He opens up this text here, and he said, let love be without dissimulation. Simulation in the Greek actually, it references back... it could be better read and better understood if it said, let love be without hypocrisy. In other words, stop being a hypocrite when it comes to love. Stop stop just spewing it out of your mouth and you really don't mean it. You see, because when you speak and say, I love you, it should be demonstrated with something or some type of act that shows that you love the individual. Anybody can say I love you. Anybody can say I love you and feel warm about it. But understand that 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 love is not just about words being uttered and it's not just about a warm fuzzy feeling, it's about a decision that you make. Because here's what God has done for us. It's God that decided to love us. Here's how I know it was a decision that he made because I'm not worthy of his love at all. There's nothing that I've done that warrants the love of God. As a matter of fact, God looks beyond my fault, sees my need, and decides to love me anyway. God is not hypocritical when it comes to his love. God is not like a man that he should lie This is what Paul is saying here. Stop lying. Tell the truth. And if you're not loving, my question to you, why aren't you loving? God loved you unconditionally. We've been commanded according to scripture by Jesus to love. As a matter of fact, he said that they'll know that you're my disciples if you have love, one, for them. That's, that, that's the identifying marks of being a Christian is how you love, folks. And if you love me, you won't be trying to hurt me. you you, you, you do everything you can to help me. And vice versa, if I love you, I'm going to do everything that I can to help you. You you, you don't have to worry about me taking nothing from you, stealing nothing from you. As a matter of fact, if if you drop your wallet on the the floor and I pick it up, you might find some extra dollars in there. Definitely ain't going to be nothing taken out of there. Because I love you. And this is what we've been called to do. Listen. here. In the book of Romans the 5th chapter the Bible says for God commended or demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. Here's what he's saying. Christ did not wait for you to get it together. And the reason why he didn't wait for you to get it together because we couldn't get it together. But it's this genuine love that God has for us. You see, you see, you see, what, what, what this looks like is that, is that when Christ died upon the cross, he rolled up his sleeve willing and able to help us get out of sin. And we're to do the same thing. Instead of us looking down on people. Instead of us tearing one another down, we ought to be building each other up. We ought to be helping folks get out of their sinfulness. And if the first thing you think to do is to talk and to gossip about somebody because they're in sin, think about your sin. Just, 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 just take a moment to think about the sin that you've been in and how you wouldn't want somebody talking about you. So, so, so he said love without hypocrisy, but that love without hypocrisy also goes to we can't ch- pick and choose who we're going to love. Because we do that. We, 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 we determine what, what, what level of love we're going to give folk. How much are we going to put up? How much are we going to tolerate with people? Well, listen, in 1 Peter, the fourth chapter, it said that, that, that love covers a multitude of sins. So, 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 you be, should be willing to tolerate, just put up with p- folk. You ain't always been right. I ain't always been right. I'm still not always right. Then there, there's times that I have to fall on my knees and say, God, forgive me. God, I need your help. God, I can't change this about me. You're going to have to change this about me. because I've tried. I've tried changing some things in my life. And I find myself right back. And I need people who are going to love me sometimes and help me get through some of this mess. Because the thing about it is that most times people think that pastors and preachers, we got it all together. No, we don't. We still need your prayer. We still need your encouragement. Because before I can get up here and say anything to you about the glory of God, I gotta make sure I'm right. Just like the priest that went into the Holy of Holies, he had to make sure his own sin was covered first before he went in and offered anything for the people. I gotta make sure that that I'm good with God. I have to fall on my face before God because I'm not always loving like I should be loving. I'm not always doing like I should be doing. There there, there are times we'll get to it that I get lazy sometimes. I know and I realize that there's more that I can be doing for the glory of God. So God fixed me. And then he he transitions here. Because he talks about us loving without dissimulation. But he also talks about abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. Now what he's really saying here is to, that, that when it comes to evil that's in our lives, when it comes to evil that's in our churches, when it comes to evil that's in this world, here he's telling us that we have the authorization to hate it. As a matter of fact, we ought to hate evil. I hate everything about evil, even when it's within in, in me. I can't stand it. I don't want to be around it. But I realize that every time that I go to do good evil is going to always be present. It's going to always be here. So because it's going to be here, I might as well deal with it. And the best way I can deal with it is to stand against it. To bring the word of God because that's what's going to help me to get through evil situations. That, that, that's, that's what helps us deal with evil people. This evil society in which we're living in. Every day it seems like it's something. We get further away from God and further away from God's purpose for our lives. And it's the scriptures that I read. When I I read that that God is going to come back. He's going to rapture me off this this earth. I'm going to be caught away and I'll forever be with him. It's scriptures like to be absent from the body is to always be present with the Lord. God works everything for our good. Those are scriptures that I hold on to because I realize there ain't no good news other than the good news of Jesus Christ. So here he says that we are to abhor or to hate that which is evil, but that's not enough. Because when you abhor or you hate that which is evil, you need to turn around and cleave to that which is good. Now listen, this word cleave in the Greek actually means to become one with what is good. In other words, when it's good, you need to wrap your arms around it and hold it tight. Hold it near to your heart. To cleave to it. It's the same where it said that a a man should leave his mother and his father and cleave to his wife and they became one flesh. And so our lives need to be dominated by that which is good. Even though evil is still present, we're still to act, to move, and to be motivated by the good. And understand that that good comes from God and God alone. It does not come at the hands of mankind, but it comes by an almighty God. Then he goes back. Verse number 10, he says, and be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love. Let this first love, that he talks about love without dissimulation, is an agape love. It's a love that God gives. It, it, it's the gift that God gives us when we become saved. God puts that agape love in there, in us. It gives us the capacity to be able to love like this. But understand that we're still in the flesh. There's still the carnality about us. We're still struggling in the flesh. And so therefore, we don't always love with this agape love. And Jesus said, just in case you missed it on that end, let me give you this other one, Phileo, which is a brotherly love. This, this is what's known as a family love. In other words, in other words, we ought to be loving one another just like we love our blood, brothers and sisters in Christ. Just like we will sacrifice for our bloods, sisters and brothers, we ought to be willing to sacrifice for one another. The, the, this is one that requires humility. But the other thing in this text is that, is, that, is that this love here is a mutual love. We're to have it one for another. The, 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 the same love that you give out, you receive. You've got you to be willing to sacrifice. Listen here. You have to be willing to put down your pride. Here, he, because he said that we are to honor, preferring one another. In other words, Paul writes, said, he, said, he said that we are to esteem our brothers and sisters better than ourselves. Just get a picture or an idea of what that looks like, if all of us did that, if we esteemed each other better than ourselves, if, 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 we, if we lifted one another up all the time, what kind of church would that make? You see, you see what it does is it, 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 it'll free us up. From all the infighting and the bickering and the arguing, that we might be able to go outside of these four walls and be able to share that same love with those outside of the church. But the church is too busy bickering and arguing and fighting and infighting, and, in, in and, and we, we forget about what's outside. And this is what God wants us to do. This, 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 is, this is the word, this is doctrine. He said, he said, we're to prefer others greater than ourselves. Perhaps one of the greatest acts of humility that you can have is when you really consider yourself less than. I I know it's hard for you to do that. But understand that if you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you and his convicting power in your life, you can do it. You can say, yeah, Lord, I surrender myself. I, I, I consider myself less than. For the sake of Christ. That I might be able to build my brothers and my sisters up in Christ. My question is, what are we building? What what, what are we building in the churches? What what does the church look like in the eyes of the world? Are we loving with the same love that they're loving with? You see, because the world loves those who love them back. But but we've been commanded commanded to go beyond that. Not just a little simplistic love that fades away. The moment that someone do something we don't like. Can you live love with the same intensity when folk have wronged you? when people have turned their backs on you, can you still love with that same love? Is it still visible? Can folks really see it? The telling thing is, is that when someone does wrong you, how do you respond? What is is your response? You see, because that's what really tells the truth. It's not about how you try to fix your face. Because you know we can do that, right? You, 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 Usually that first look in your face is how you really feel. You're trying to fix that face. No, you need to let Jesus fix your heart. That, that's what we need to do. We need Lord, fix my heart. Because right now, what I'm feeling ain't right. What I really want to do, what I really want to say, God... It ain't, it ain't, uh, come on now. God won't get no glory out of that. But it's all about us humbling ourselves. We re- re- realize, realize that, 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 that we've all been bought with a price, that, that, that there's no one in the kingdom that's any greater than anyone else. As a matter of fact, if you want to get a leg up on people, begin to humble yourself and serve them. That's what the Bible says. That him that is greatest in the kingdom is the one who will serve all. Isn't that a wonderful sight? That's the glorious sight. That we're serving, always serving one another. Brother, how can I help you? Sister, how, how can I be a blessing to you? I think that's what we need to hear more often. How, how, how can I bless you? Is, is there anything that you need? How can I be a blessing to you? Verse 11, he goes and he, he shifts a little bit. He said, not slothful in busy business. Now understand that business is not the same word business in the Greek for a business that you start or, or some type of business. This has more to do with what you render unto God in terms of diligence. What he's really saying is that stop being lazy. Get excited about what God has done for you. Listen here, listen here. Think about, think, about, think about a person that you loved. And early on, when you fell in love with this individual, man, you were, I mean, you, the minute you got out of work, I don't care how tired you was, you was up and you was going, you was going to see, and see about this individual. You weren't, you weren't too tired then. But now when it comes to the work of the Lord, all of a sudden, I'm too tired to do anything for the, God, for the glory of God. This is, what, this, is what, this is what Paul is talking about. Christians need to stop being lazy when it comes to the work of God. Yeah. And we're not just talking about working here, being on the usher board, being in the choir. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the work of the church. There, 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 there's ministry work that needs to be done here. I've been asking for the last two years for somebody to help with pioneer, and I haven't got anybody that's been diligent and willing to come and, 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 and take it up. I've been waiting. And I told her, I said, Lord, I'm not going to say anything from the pulpit, but God, he gave me an okay to say it today. Yeah. And what really touched my heart was that yesterday, we had a church fellowship hall full of children. Yeah. And it would have been wonderful for me to be able to get up there as the pastor and say, bring your children back. We have Pioneer here for them. We have pioneers. I I, listen, I I took them to the teens, a couple teens to the teens and I took them up to the gym and I said, and I was able to tell them, listen, come back. We're we're gonna start teen council. We have a place for the teens. But we don't have anywhere for our babies. And they're the most impressionable ones out there. And why is it no one has stepped up? Why, why is that no one has said, said okay, Pastor, I, I know I got a busy schedule, but listen here, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to step up and I'm going to do this, that God might be glorified and these babies might have a place to come, that they might learn from the word of God. You got a little quiet, I expected it, because what I believe is that you're thinking about it, you're trying to clear your schedule and say, okay, how can I, how can, how, how can I come and be a blessing? How, how, how. It, it sounds good. <laughs> he, he says, "He says that we're not to be lazy. We're not to be slothful in business, but we're to be fervent in spirit." That word "fervent" in the Greek actually means to bring to boil. It means to boil. It means to come on, to get on fire about what you're doing to be on fire, to be excited about the work of the ministry and serving others in the Lord. Come to a place where we're complacent. And we need to be excited about it. Listen, God is going to send people. But what he's trying to do, he's trying to get us right. he's, He's trying to get us excited about ministry work. If you were here yesterday and seen the excitement in the eyes of the children, you seen the excitement in the eyes of the parents. This is what I'm talking about. We are the ones that have the spirit of Christ living inside of us. Why can't we get excited about service of God? We we, we don't have any volunteers. We have servants here. We come to serve. And servants servants know that there's a sacrifice that must be made. So what's the problem? Because we don't have enough people to have this servant mentality. And understand all this is birthed out of the love that we have for God. And it's the love that we have for one another that compels us to serve one another. And so, therefore, we need to be excited about one another. Yes. I, I, I need to be glad to see you. <laughs> I ought to be excited every time I walk in your presence. Yes. Yes. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Most times, we're glad to see Him leave. But it takes God changing our hearts, changing our minds, changing how we think, changing how we perceive things. He goes on, verse number 12, he says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continue instant in prayer. There's a perpetual joy that we have inside of us. That God gives us and it's based upon the hope that we have in him. The blessed hope that we have in Christ Jesus. You see, you see, even when you're having a bad day, joy can take care of that. You see, because joy is not predicated on what's on the outside. It doesn't depend on what's happening around you. It's not depending on your environment. It's on what's on the inside of you. What Christ has deposited there. So because I have this hope in Christ Jesus... I can still wave my hand and say, Lord, thank you, even in the midst of tribulation, of trouble, of circumstances, of trials. It's there in the believer. And it's the joy of the Lord that's our strength, that gives us strength, that gives us power. Because of the love of God, the hope that he's put in us, the joy that he's given us. We just gotta walk it out. There's there, 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 some of you that are sitting on your joy. Doesn't do you any good if you just sit on it. Every, every now and again, you gotta stand and just wave your hands. If you don't say nothing else, just wave your hands and say, God thank you for the joy that I have down inside of me. Because that's what gives us the patience to be able to endure. James said that that, that we are, they count it all joy when we fall into diverse temptation. Why? Because it it makes, it builds endurance in us. And that endurance gives us patience. In other words, we're able to, to, to withstand some stuff. This world is not our home. And I wish you would stop treating it like it is your home. I wish you'd stop treating it like, I just want to get comfortable. I want to get to a place where I don't have any troubles. I want to be comfortable. No, we've never been called to comfortability in Christ Jesus. The word said that if you you, you suffer with him, then you'll reign with him. We've been called to this life of suffering. I, I know you don't want that. You know, that, 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 that's for the mature Christians. Yeah. That we've been called to a life of suffering. Yeah. If our Savior suffered, then who are we? Yeah. And we got more cause to suffer than he could ever have. Because he did nothing, absolutely nothing in t- when it comes to sin. He never sinned. all he ever did was that which was good. Yeah. Yeah. But yet he suffered. Here it is, we sin all the time and we don't want to suffer nothing. But God has called us to that. Be patient when we're going through things. Not complaining. Not not not, not giving up. Not throwing in the towel. Be patient. Endure. And then he says, "Being or continuing instant in prayer. The life of the believer should be one that's praying without ceasing. We should always be praying. You see, because that, that that that's where you get the answer to a lot of your problems is in is in prayer. That, that that's where you really begin to develop that close relationship with God is through prayer. Understand that that, that when you can't do nothing else, you can always pray. You can always go before the Lord in prayer. He already knows about it, but every now and again, he needs to come from your mouth, God. I need you. And as I said before, you need to spend more time praying about you than other folk. You pray for God, help them, bless them, keep them. Work on me. Fix me, God. And then this is, close it out right here. Because this goes into our whole theme of evangelism that we've been talking about. And this verse here is a transitional verse. Because after this verse, he does go with outside of the church. And he starts it here in verse number 13. He says, distributing to the necessity of the saints. In other words, being a cheerful giver. This this, this is what he's talking about here. And he's not necessarily just talking about monetary or money. There's other areas and resources that we have that we need to be a blessing to other folk. We need to be seeing about one another. When somebody's in the hospital, we need to be down there seeing about them. Having prayer with them. If we're going to be a living church, we have to live like it. We have to be the church. And not just a church building with a few folk in it. This is is about living in love. How, this, is, this is how people see our love, when we aspire to do these things. But then he says, "Given to hospitality. And this kind of this like got me a little bit. I said, because Paul, when you wrote this right here, folk were not like they are today. You can't bring everybody in your house. You're asking for trouble, you start bringing folk in your house like that. This must be something that's done by prayer. You have to pray because you don't know what kind of negative spirits and energy you bring in when you bring folk into your house. But then God begin give, give me a whole new outlook on this verse because he says, "Given to hospitality. That's not just your house. That's this house. In other words, when we bring folk from the outside in, we need to show them hospitality. We, we, we need to show them love and respect. We, we need to show them how, 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 how the love of Christ looks. We, we, we need to take some time and make a fuss over them. When we bring them out, you, you, you invite somebody to your house, you give them a, a cold drink of water or some type of drink, you invite you them in. Hey, listen, turn on the TV, make yourself at home, you say. What well, do we do that in the church? Yeah. Come on in, make yourself at home. Why? Because this is the house of God. It's not my house, it's not your house, this is God's house. Yeah. And if we can't be hospitable in God's house, where can we be hospitable at? You certainly won't be hospitable in your own home. But this this is what Paul is laying out. He's telling us that we're to live in love. That that should be the mark of our lifestyle. The fruit of the Spirit begins with the first, and I believe that there's only well, there is only one fruit, and I believe that fruit is love. Because it's love that gives us the license to do everything else. If you're not loving right, you won't have a license to do anything else. That's why it's critically important that we understand this love. That's why it's critically important for me to, to remind you. Check how you're loving. Check and see if you're living in love. The scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It is God that was one that demonstrated his love for us, that gave his life for us. It was love that compelled Christ to go to the cross. It was love that allowed them to nail him in his hand put a crown of thorns on his head, put rivets in his feet. Yes. It was love that compelled him to pierce him in his side and take every whip for us. Yes. Everything that he endured, he did it because of his love for us. Yes. He was motivated by love. He is love. He's the epitome of love. He suffered everything. Yes. He, 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 he took everything that we should have took. Every, every, every whip with the cat and I tail, it should have been put, placed upon our back, but he took it for us. He died on Calvary's cross. They pierced him in the side, but he still cried out from the cross Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he said, To thine hand I commend my spirit. He gave up the ghosts. And he died because why? It was finished. The act of redemption was finished at Calvary. But Jesus still had work to do. They declared that they took him off the cross. Put him in a borrowed man's tomb. He stayed there Friday and all day Saturday. But early on Sunday day, he rose with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. It's the preaching of the cross that saves. We've been justified by what Christ did upon the cross. And his subsequent resurrection. And Christ is still praying for us as he sits at his father's right hand. And I'm just waiting for him to come again. To receive us unto himself. I'm waiting for that great getting up morning. There's a lot of folk I want to see on the other side. But the main person I want to see on the other side is my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because the record declared that that when I see him, I'll be just like him. I'll have that glorified body, not susceptible to any type of sin or illnesses. No sin on that side. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So live in love. Because Christ lived and he died in love, and he rose in love, and he continues to love. Please stand to your feet. The door to the church is open. Is there one? This is your opportunity This is your opportunity. God wants to do a work in your life. I know that there's someone here that the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart right now. All it takes is one step of faith. God desires to do it. Will you receive Christ this morning? Amen. Is there one? Amen. You may be sick. How many of you love Jesus? Amen, amen, amen. How many of you willing to obey Jesus? All right, all right, all right. We'll see. So grateful for God and his word what it does in our lives. You know, God is going to bring somebody into your life and your only job is to love them with the love of Christ. When you walk up on that person that don't look like they belong to your social standing, remember to love them. Remember that. This is a part of our commission. This is what God has told us to do. This is all that God has for us as the church, is to make disciples, to bring honor and glory to his name, because indeed he is worthy. Again, if you love him, you'll keep his commandments. You obey him, you do what he said to do. All right, I'm done. Please stand to your feet.